All right, we are live after Hell in a Cell Wrestling Inc. podcast, ladies and gentlemen. We are here with the crew, uh, starting with uh, making his uh, pay-per-view podcast debut, I believe. I don't think we've called pay-per-views together, so I'm very much looking forward to this. Uh, Chuck Carroll, how you doing, Chuck? I'm doing really good, man. Uh, this is second pay-per-view. First one for WWE, though. Uh, I did the AEW oh. pay-per-view, but that's okay, man. It's okay. We're here tonight. It's the first ever for WWE. Let's rock and roll, man. Let's do it. And then, of course, our returning champion, uh, Issa, NYC Demon Diva. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you, Alfred? Happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Uh, if you have a, is, is, do you have a dog, uh, Chuck? I know I see that dog stuffed animal back there. Do you have a I, real I dog? Do. Your I, I do. Uh, he's asleep across the hall with my wife right now. We have a beagle. His name oh, is Rudy. Uh, he's a good boy. Yeah. That's awesome. So it looks like the dog that's in the background over there. Very much so, as a matter of fact. That's exactly who that is. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, well, uh, we got into Hell in a Cell. We're going to be covering the show tonight, but of course we have some news items and potentially really one of the bigger stories of the weekend in that my Milwaukee Bucks have advanced to the Eastern Conference <laughs> NBA Finals. I can't stand by you. We're here, we're here to talk about Hell in a Cell. We're not here to talk about basketball. We need to move on right now. <laughs> Uh, Giannis had 40 points, 13 rebounds. It was a very good game. You. And congratulations you, to the Brooklyn Nets for a very hard-fought series. Uh, right, hang around Glenn too much. Thanks, Alfred. <laughs> let's move on, no. Well, let's talk. Yeah, let's move on to the news. Let's talk about the news. <laughs> we don't have to talk about uh, Giannis winning a championship this year, which he will. Uh, Brock Lesnar is reportedly in talks to return to WWE. Uh, of course, Fightful uh, broke the news that uh, they are reportedly in talks. And then Andrew Zarian of the Mad Men podcast added that Brock Lesnar uh, was originally slotted or WWE wanted him in the role that they are now planning for Cena in that he was going to main event against Roman Reigns at SummerSlam, they were hoping, but then pivoted to Cena. So what do you guys think about the news of Brock Lesnar potentially coming back, Isa? Well, I had a feeling that Beastie will be back eventually, but I think they have to save that for a crowd. You already did your big return with Roman Reigns in the no crowd era. I think I think it's I always thought he would come back. It's just a matter of when. And I think now that crowds are approaching and we're trying to sell out shows, it will be the right time to make that call. Well, here's the, here's the interesting thing. Uh, just after the pay-per-view went off the air, Fightful put out another update, and it said, and speaking with additional WWE sources throughout the night, it was said to be a poorly kept secret that WWE hopes to have Lesnar back, but th that those close to Lesnar don't believe that any real contact or movement has been made in that direction. So it may be a little bit of much ado about nothing right now. Uh, I still yeah. would be surprised if we don't see him back for SummerSlam. I think that they'll probably wind up throwing a boatload of cash at him. But, you know, for right now, I think that the initial story, at least according to Fightful, might have been overhyped a little bit. Yeah, and now that you're seeing the, you know, WWE actually did have very strong sales for SummerSlam. It's a stadium show that almost sold out. And it looks like the trend that's happening right now is these pay-per-view events like Money in the Bank and SummerSlam are selling very well on the road. But a lot of these other events that they have live touring aren't selling well. I think if SummerSlam ticket sales would have come in on the low end, there would be a lot more fire to this in terms of WWE pursuing Brock Lesnar. But I do think that this is more of an overblown story and that WWE, I think, now sees that they don't really maybe need Brock Lesnar for a show of a magnitude of a SummerSlam, given the fact that it's already sold out without him. I right. would agree 100%. 
Yes. Uh, we have some uh, more conjecture about Brock Lesnar from front of the show. Jody Shauna Jenkins for $5. She said, not shocked at the Brock Lesnar news. Uh, Lashley equals boring. Hey, McIntyre equals boring. Uh, maybe. Lesnar is money. Always has been. Always will be. Wow. Big Lesnar fan. And you know what? Who knows? Maybe Same. by the way it ended tonight, we are one step closer to Lashley versus Lesnar. It's just one of those matches that they could have done a few times by now that people seem to really be excited about. That I mean, it does seem like maybe they're close to it, but it all depends on whether or not Brock Lesnar resigns. But in all honesty, I mean, how excited would you be to see Brock Lesnar back in the WWE ring? I mean, how many times can you keep going back to the same well before it runs dry? I don't think Lesnar is nearly the attraction that he once was, especially now that he's not in this bidding war with UFC. He doesn't really have a whole lot of leverage. I don't believe the last time that he came back that he moved the needle in any sort of substantial fashion. So, I mean, it's a fun story to talk about from our end, and maybe the hardcore fans are still kind of there. But if you're a casual fan, and I'm sure it's just going to be like, huh, Lesnar's back again. Yeah, like, you know. yeah I mean, I, I am a big Brock Lesnar fan, but to Chuck's point, all that this is doing is, is exposing the fact that they're not making any new stars and they have to keep going right back to this well of we're going to bring Cena back, we're going to bring The Rock, we're going to bring Brock. And it's just like, why don't you just let these guys shine? Because when you do give them that freedom, look what's going on with Roman Reigns. Why can't we do that? with a couple of other newer guys and you don't have to go back to that and you don't have to fire 30 people so that you can afford Brock again, <laughs> you uh, know? Yeah, the story that they are literally telling with Roman Reigns is that he is OP, nobody in this company can stop him, and then if you're reading the tea leaves, the long-term booking is going to be a lot of these outsiders coming in to try to stop uh, Roman Reigns because nobody's good enough within their own company. So it's kind of a microcosm of what I think is hurting WWE in terms of their inability to create these new kind of organic stars. But I would push back on the idea that like, I think Brock's always going to be attraction to a degree I think he's always going to stoke interest in more casual viewers. And I think right now at this point with Brock Lesnar, it's going to be dependent on the type of matchups. Like I think a program with Roman Reigns would really, if they went the right direction and telling that story would be a lot of fun. Um, but I think the number one thing would be like a dream match scenario, like what would happen with uh, Lashley, because that's a match that nobody's ever seen. And I think would help that situation would be the novelty of a Brock Lesnar versus Lashley. But again, is that a dream match? I know that it's one that we haven't necessarily seen, but would you call that a dream match? I mean, I how many would. fans? It's the one I match would. I that would I would. Because to your point, Chuck, there's a lot of matches that, you know, even Brock versus Roman, I would have to see the story to really get excited about. The one match that it's I really am excited so many about times. Is, yeah, mm -hmm. it's Brock versus Lashley. It's the one match that I think would get me excited for Brock Lesnar return. Because this time in 2018 yeah. at Hell in a Cell when he returned, I was just like, oh, God. And that was three years ago. And that, he came back to ruin that Hell in a Cell. But if he returned to fight Bobby Lashley, I'm excited, 100%. Look, Bobby Lashley yeah. is a fantastic human being. I like him very much as a person. I just, I got to have the dissenting opinion here. If this was the Supreme Court on the panel tonight, <laughs> I've got the dissenting opinion against this one. But, hey, I'm outvoted in this one. Yeah, I just don't think, I don't think, I wouldn't put Roman and Brock yet. I will wait to see, feel the temperature with the live crowds because that can go downhill real quick. They've done this program too many times and the fans have kind of crap all over it in the past. So I'd rather just wait, put Brock in the opposite direction and let Heyman try to manage both be what starts that program. Absolutely, yeah. There's a lot of directions that can go, uh, but uh, we got into Hell in a Cell. Very interesting pay-per-view tonight. Uh, before we get into there, we just got a super chat from Nightmare Knee for $5. Build up someone equal to, but different from Roman. Every other champion has been a geek due to booking. 
Um, yeah. yeah, I would like to see them build somebody up. Like they, they've, it's really the, still the same people. Like Lashley's really the only guy that they've finally gotten around to making in terms of a new champion. But Lashley has been there forever and he's, you know, in his forties and stuff like that. And he still looks like a million bucks. And I hope he keeps that title for as long as he wants. But WWE just seems to take its time in terms of making these stars. This is the type of booking that they can do with anybody. Yeah. I would agree. And the, and like to that point with Roman Reigns, right? If you look at the long-term plan, supposedly it's going to be him versus The Rock, right? And at some point, you know, The Rock's going to put Roman back over. So have you really created a new star at that point? You could say that it's going to be one of the Usos, you know, coming to dethrone Roman at some point, but that's going to have to be after The Rock if they're going to be the next big thing in WWE. So, I mean, really, again, this is just them not doing a good job of bringing up the next person. So you've got Drew McIntyre, who was around forever and a day, released, brought back, finally given his due. Bobby Lashley, as you both said, has been around forever and a day, now finally getting his due. Could you call them new stars? Maybe. They're certainly on a level that they weren't uh, have not been before. Uh, in WWE, but at the same time, I mean, who's underneath of them? Who's the next person coming up? I'm just not seeing that happening at all. 100%. Right. And uh, we have a $2 super chat from Mike. Vince is running with Bobby Lashley, as he should, and I tend to agree. Uh, but to Chuck's point, I do agree that they need to be doing this type of booking with younger guys. And uh, when you look at the younger stars there, that the, most of the people are, you know, in their 30s to 40s in terms of who they're pushing. And it's very concerning in terms of their future. Uh, well, yeah. but their future, here's something they're doing right. We get into this pay-per-view, Bianca versus Bailey Belair. I'm sorry, Bailey versus Bianca Belair. Uh, in the opening match was, I thought was a very good match. Uh, they did a lot of stuff here, used their kendo sticks. They did a callback to that spot that Bailey tried last year with kendo sticks and just kind of gave up on it. Uh, and Michael Cole is pointing that out. And as he was, she's like, shut up, Michael Cole. So I thought that was great. Uh, Bianca. The story of this match is Bianca Belair getting her hair tied to all kinds of different items from the bottom rope. Uh, she was handcuffed to a chair. Uh, she had this awesome comeback where she was, her hair was tied to Bailey's wrist and she was using her hair as a weapon. I think she should do that regularly. I thought it looked really awesome. Uh, they brought out a ladder and the finish came with a KOD on the ladder that just looked brutal, uh, but in a good way in terms of like violence wise. So Bianca Belair retains over Bailey. What did you guys think about this match starting with Issa? I love this match. I was, um, when they made it a Hell in a Cell, I was like, well, this didn't need to be in Hell in a Cell, right? But I was excited to see the women get a Hell in a Cell match. I thought that would go to Charlotte and Rhea, to be honest with you. But listen, Bianca and Bailey have been feuding for a long time. This is before the Royal Rumble. They they go way back. I really enjoy some of the spots. I, I, was, I was very curious to see how Bianca would do in a Hell in a Cell environment. And she delivered look great while delivering. Bailey is such a star, and I just love her so much, and she's done so much good work to help put over Sasha and put over Bianca. And listen, Hell in a Cell is where her title reign ended, and tonight, I thought she did an amazing job. I really thought it was a hot start to the pay-per-view. For a second, I was like, if this is how the night's gonna go, I'm here for this, but you know, over after that, it didn't go too well, but I really enjoyed the match and the effort that both of these women put on. It was better than what I anticipated it. Absolutely. Absolutely. This match definitely exceeded my expectations as well. I was really pleased with what happened in the ring. And they did tell uh, a unique story, you know, being haircuffed to yeah. certain objects. I mean, like, that's something that you haven't seen before. And how often can you say that in wrestling, right? So kudos to them. And they certainly left it all in the ring. Here's the thing, though. It's like I got the sense, especially with that promo that uh, Bianca cut after the match, that they're not done. 
I yeah. think that they go back to this one at the next pay-per-view. So maybe they're just biting, buying a little bit of time until Becky Lynch comes back. I don't know. Uh, but I'm certainly excited for the next chapter after what we saw tonight. And they do have a limited women's roster, especially in terms of the people that they use over there on SmackDown. But, I mean, this, if you look at the match, was done like a blow-off with the babyface winning again and winning very decisively with that ladder finish. Uh, so for them to just continue this going, it's almost like you've peaked already. Uh, and I, I don't know yeah. what story they'd be able to tell and what reason they'd be able to give as to why Bailey uh, should receive this title shot. I don't know either. And I honestly thought that after that finish that that was it. But then they had Bianca cut that promo backstage. They did. It's like, well, all right, I guess we're we're going to keep going with this thing. Yeah, Bianca yeah, said something. Finish was, yeah, sorry. That finish was just so impressive. I forgot to mention that when I was speaking yeah. about it. I really, really loved it. It looked brutal. And it's like, how? why would you go back to that after, after that? Hell in a Cell is supposed to be the blow off. Same, we're doing that with the Drew McIntyre. Like, this is supposed to be it. It should have been it for them as well. We'll see where it goes, but I mean, the person that I would like to see Bianca has another rematch with will be um, Sasha Banks, and I don't think Sasha Banks would. I don't think that's a money in the bank. I think that should be more of a SummerSlam thing. So right. I can see them trying to expand this just so we can get Sasha in, in Bianca Part 2 at SummerSlam. And that promo you were referring to, Chuck, just to let everybody know, uh, Bianca did say something to the degree of, like, I'll never forget this. And they did make it seem like there's more to come. So that was very... And then the kendo spot, it, she basically put the kendo stick on, like, the ring apron and used it as, like, a makeshift table, which I thought was really awesome looking in terms of stuff that I haven't seen before. Uh, we get another uh, Bobby versus Brock supporter. So Fed, Fedder for $5, Bobby versus Brock, take my money. Well, we're glad to take your money, too. So thank you for that. <laughs> uh, before we move on, uh, I want to point out that they had a pre-show match, Natalia versus Mandy Rose. I don't know if you guys got to see it. I thought I it was excellent. It. I thought it, it was, was very, very good. good. <laughs> yes, yeah, it, was, just... it was a lot better than I thought. They announced the very last minute. And I thought that Mandy stood her ground with, with Natalia in there. A lot of really cool reverses and counters. And I was like, where is this Mandy? Where has she yeah. been? Apparently training, not in photo shoots, because I really, really enjoyed their match. <laughs> I know. Technical wrestling for Mandy Rose. That was something I wasn't expecting to see tonight either. Like, I have that in my notes. I was like, where exactly what you just said? I was like, where has this been? Yeah. And, she, mm -hmm. you know, it's clear. I She's been training uh, outside of uh, tape days. So, I mean, my hat's off to her. That was a heck of a job tonight. Heck of a job. Yeah. I recommend yeah. going back and watching it. It's like a revelation of sorts because it's like a straight technical match. They're not hiding everything. They're just wrestling. It's a wrestling match. And it was very well done. And it's one of those things like here's a Mandy Rose, somebody who's young who could get like that type of big rocket push that they could do something with. Uh, and they just kind of choose to book her in ways where she's got limited in ring time and stuff like that. But if she's right. capable of that, like my goodness. Right. I remember her feud with um, her feud with Sonya Deville during that performance center era. I thought they were bringing the best out of each other. And I felt that with this Mandy again, maybe that goes to tell you she's more of a singles wrestler than a tag team. I don't know. Maybe she shines better when she's on one on ones. Regardless, great match for, from the two of them. It was it was a, it was a hot match for the pre-show. At first, I was like, really, we're going to do that. But now yeah. I'm all up for it. <laughs> Yeah, a lot, a lot of people are probably going to say, oh, you know, Natalia carried her and Natalia this and, and Natalia was great too, but it, just go yeah. back and watch this match. You'll be very impressed with what you see. I'm telling and you. And also we have four women matches tonight, which is, you know, amazing yeah. for the women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very much so. So we get uh, to Rollins versus Cesaro. So uh, this was uh, Rollins snuck attack Cesaro before the match, attacked him from behind. Uh, so they battle back. At one point, Cesaro 
kicked, he took Seth Rollins' gloves from him and kicked it into the crowd. Uh, Cesaro was stomping Rollins, and the finish came kind of surprisingly where Cesaro was stomping Rollins' arms. Rollins just rolls him up and wins the match, and uh, Rollins is your winner. What did you guys think of the match? Chuck, we'll start with you. I mean, for the love of Pearl, can Cesaro please get a break? I mean, what what is it going to take? Didn't Foley get down on his knees? Wasn't that in one of the teasers for his Broken Skull sessions where he got down on his knees? Begged Vince McMahon to give Cesaro a push. They're going to air that. Matter of fact, it's airing on Peacock right now. Okay. And so Foley is down on his knees right now, begging Vince to give Cesaro a push. And what do they do? They have Rollins go over. I don't understand that for the life of me, but Cesaro still did come out looking strong. But I mean, my God, man, like what is it going to take? What is it going to take to get this man on a consistent upward trajectory? I don't know. I don't know. You guys talk about it. Figure it out. I'm frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'm a big Seth Rollins fan, and I I have to admit that I don't care, and I feel disappointed that I don't care about this feud anymore. I remember the first tease of this feud, how excited I was that we were going to get Seth Rollins against Cesaro. Like, oh, my God, we've been dreaming about this match, right? They let the right person win at WrestleMania, but I just said it, at WrestleMania how many months ago? And now, tonight, not just on this match, there was another match as well where you just let the the opposite person get their win back. And it's just that 50-50 booking that nobody gets over and makes people stop caring about this five-month-long feuds, which in overall I feel is what killed Seth Rollins, period, because even before he went away, to be, you know, because he became a father, he was on a feud with Rey Mysterio for like 10 months, and they just do these feuds with Seth Rollins for so long that you stop caring about him and the person that he's trying to put over, and unfortunately, one of my favorite guys, Seth, is probably top five for me, and I might have fallen asleep at some point during this match. Yeah, I, I will say the MVP of this match was Pat McAfee. Pat McAfee yes. was fantastic throughout the show. It was around this time that he started actually trending for how good a job he was doing. This guy, like, I was not wanting to be interested in this match. I thought this feud is ice cold. I was, you know, even though I'm being professional and following it, I wasn't very much interested. But Pat McAfee refused to make it seem like this wasn't interesting. He knew when to, like, scream and make it seem like it was bigger than it really was. I thought he was great throughout this, but... Not a feud that I'm interested in, not a match that I was particularly interested in. And I just think we're seeing this pattern now. They're going to return to live touring. So a lot of these wins and losses are going to speak a lot of volumes on who they are prioritizing, who they want to make hot. And Cesaro's going right back to that back burner. And Seth Rollins is one of their top stars who they're going to want to get some wins before they go back to live touring, I think. Yeah, man. And let me let me double down on uh, kudos to McAfee there. I, I really do think that he did a phenomenal job. He actually, you know, wound up carrying that uh, carrying that match and, and making yeah, yeah. you like care yourself. Um, did I mishear, you know, at some point, did he use the earmuffs, kid? Did he use yes. the term piss missile? He did. That was the best part yes. of the match. <laughs> when Pizarro uh, kicked Seth Rollins' glove into him, he said he fired into the Thunderdome like a piss missile. It was wonderful. He was a virtuoso yes. tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I love that reference too. Great, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're most everybody. Sal Justin Lopez, friend of the show and Nets fan. Uh, I mean, this is what they do. It's fifty-fifty booking. Cesaro went over at Mania. You knew Rollins was more than likely to go over. It's true. Cesaro would probably go on the feud and win the IC title. Hopefully, uh, I will see. We'll see what they do with Cesaro. I'm, I'm not um, very excited for his future in terms of you know just how he was booked tonight. I think they're phasing him out. Yeah, I don't know I where you go. I don't know where you go from here. Uh, we've got another super chat. It's Z for five dollars. Got guys like Priest, Lee, Cesaro doing nothing. Build these stars up instead of bringing in part timers for one offs. Showcase these guys up money in the bank. Yeah, 
That is a very temporary solution. I mean, they're going to be able to do it for a while, but that part-timer thing, they could only go back to that well, to your point, Chuck, from earlier, so many times before they're going to be forced into a situation where they have to make new stars. And by then it might be too late. Right. But, but, but then, right, but then, like, you think about it, I, I hear what was just said, and then I'm like, but they've been going back to part-timers now for years. Well, over a decade. For years. So, like, really, can, will this be a short-term? I mean, like, I, I don't know where it ends, man. I just don't know where it ends. Well, uh, we get to our next match, the main event of the show, Alexa Bliss versus Shayna Baszler. So we learned a lot of this match. We learned that Alexa likes pain. The story of this match was essentially uh, Shayna Baszler early on was beating up Alexa Bliss, but she was liking the pain. Uh, and then the high spot comes where Alexa hypnotizes Nia Jax. I'm not making this up. Hypnotizes Nia Jax to slap Reginald in the face, which she does. Uh, this leads to Shayna Baszler briefly firing before uh, Alexa Bliss just uh, dominates her, hits her with the uh, uh, modified Sister Abigail, and then the Twisted Bliss for the win. So, Alexa Bliss, your winner via hypnosis, uh, with the assist from hypnosis, I'll say. What did you think about this match, Chuck? You know, I, I actually didn't hate it because there wasn't a whole lot of um, uh, over-the-top theatrics with it uh, like they had been doing with Alexa Bliss. So uh, maybe they're just starting to phase that out because they know they're about to go to a live crowd and they can't, you know, always do that cinematic presentation with her. Um, right. So I, I didn't hate it. And I even didn't necessarily hate the the hypnotism angle. Um, I thought where she was... Uh, she and Nia were kind of mirroring each other and then Nia slapped Reginald. I actually laughed at that. I was like, all right, well, that's creative, right? If you're going to do something hokey, at least somebody gets slapped across the face to make it worthwhile, right? So I didn't <laughs> hate it. I, I really, I, I didn't hate this match um, at all. And the other thing that I will say, and I, I'm not a WWE apologist because I will roast them uh, when I feel it's appropriate. But I will say that Alexa is giving 100% to this character. And if you would have given it to somebody else who really just did not give a crap, um, I think that this character would have been DOA by now, but she's doing the best that she absolutely can with here. You can tell that she cares. And for that, that keeps me interested longer than this character really deserves to have some interest in it. So that's my big takeaway. She's doing the best that she can. Good compartmentalizing. I like that. Yeah, I was happy to see Alexa back in ring action. Um, like Shock said, it was like they kept all the theatrics to a minimal. I actually thought they were going to go all out because it was the last time on the Thunderdome. I was like, God, they're going to do everything they can just to like <laughs> just to get away with it because they're not going to be able to. Um, I, I didn't care about the hypnotizing thing. I think it's fun, but it's just like, okay, at the same time, then why are you not? hypnotizing Shayna and getting her to just lay down and, and get the pin, you know, which I would assume that she can only hypnotize people that are mentally weak to her mental games, right? And maybe Shayna, she cannot get through. This is me overanalyzing this, probably giving it more thought than they are giving it. But <laughs> it was good to see her in-ring action. It was good to see her get a get a win because I didn't like what they did with her on Monday where they just gave her like a DQ finish. Like if you're going to put her back in ring action, let her get some wins so that you can really get behind the character. Did I really care about this? No, I don't want to see Shayna Baszler in this kind of storyline. I miss badass NXT Shayna Baszler and this has nothing to do with Alexa Bliss. I just want that Shayna Baszler back and I feel like they should let Alexa Bliss play this character with somebody that could kind of like play along better than a Shayna Baszler. Yeah, yeah. And Shayna Baszler has no business in this feud. I will 100% no. back that up because of 
her mystique in NXT, you saw it on display. She was just like unbeatable champion who's a legitimate tough woman. And when she just plays that up and it's a very low maintenance gimmick, but it's very powerful because people believe it. And to do this is going the complete 180, I think, in terms of, you know, having her in a match with this hypnosis. Listen, I don't have too much of a problem with the sports entertainment aspect of this. You know, I'll always favor sports entertainment and wrestling but this is like you're doing this with the top booked woman in this uh, you know in this promotion right now and i'm just looking down the future in that like eventually she's going to challenge for world title do you want magic in your world championship matches like these women's world championship i consider them to be world titles so if she faces uh what is would it be like a rhea ripley or even a charlotte whoever has that title if she's going to use magic to win a world uh, one of those titles it would just be ridiculous in terms of the whole division yeah, if you go back to the Royal Rumble, she was doing her whole Undertaker hulking up thing to go into her magic stuff, and Rhea Ripley was like, not today, and threw her right out. That's the kind of attitude that I would expect a Shayna Baszler to have with her, and I did think she would go into a feud with Rhea Ripley once Rhea Ripley got called up because of that. But I do think that somebody in a Shayna Baszler status should have that attitude where it's just like, yeah, this is all BS, and just like, get get out of here with your hokey stuff. But no, no, apparently she's getting to Shayna Baszler, and I don't like it. Obviously, I mean, I'm sure you guys got the same impression that I did, that this is also another feud that isn't over yet. So I think that you're going to see Nia, Shayna, and Alexa still going at it. Oh, Oh, and Reginald, he's probably going to get slapped again, too. They might. (laughs) Every week. Every week. They might. Yeah, just like Nia Jax put, uh, uh, what's her name? Uh, Lana. Lana. Slap Reggie for nine weeks. Uh, but they they might be teasing that Nia Jax is going to now join that crazy world and she's going to become a spooky character. Like, this thing could go really off the rails, I think. Maybe she's Lily. I don't know. Oh, oh God. There you go. Oh, God. <laughs> Have we ever seen Lily and Nia Jax in the same place? Uh, we need to be asking these questions. <laughs> DJ for $5. Pat McAfee is getting very good. Bailey getting her ass kicked and still tells Cole to shut up. Love her. Uh, great work from the three of y'all. Thank you very much, DJ. And yeah, I, I really very much enjoyed uh, that Bailey versus Bianca match. Very high point in the show for me. Uh, and uh, next match, speaking of high points, uh, Sammy Zayn versus Kevin Owens uh, was up next. So they're telling the story where Kevin Owens isn't 100%. Uh, that's basically the story of this match because they threaten to stop the match multiple times. He's having trouble breathing. And then he's basically Humpty Dumpty in this match. Like he's having the throat problems, but then his wrist hurts. And then he's selling a shoulder injury and he's selling all kinds of injuries throughout the match to threaten to stop it. But uh, this just got very physical. Uh, at one point, these two men are literally punching each other in the face. Uh, Sami Zayn gets busted open the hard way. He's bleeding from the mouth. And the finish comes where finally Sami Zayn uh, delivers the hell of a kick, Kaluba kick to Kevin Owens in the corner for the win. What did you guys think about this match, uh, Issa? I didn't care that they made this match on Friday, but somehow these men fought each other for the thousandth time and still made it feel like it was the first time they were fighting each other. And that, you have to give them props. Like, I don't understand how they managed to do that, where you're just like, yeah, here we go, Sammy Singh and Kevin Owens, but then here we really go, and you're so into the match, and they always manage to pull that off, which is like, you know, fight forever, not literally, like, let's not keep doing it, but they... (laughs) Managed to make it feel fresh, so I give him props to that. Props to Kevin Owens for still selling that injury from Friday night. He's still selling that move, which is awesome. That does wonders for um, Davocado. Okay, I still call him that. Um, but yeah, oh, it was fun. Did, did, did I care? Did I need it in the pay-per-view? No. Was it a fun match to watch? Yes. 
Yeah, you know what? I I echo that 100%. Like this this was not a match that I was invested in at all going in and I just sat down and I enjoyed it for what it was, just a, you know, a good physical strong style kind of a wrestling match. And they did. They went in there and just literally beat the crap out of each other right down to the uh Haluva kick at the end. I mean, that was stiff. They showed it on the replay. I mean, Owens just took one to the jaw. So, I mean, kudos to them for going out there and making you care about a match. Um, that you have seen a thousand times before. Um, but you you do know that they're not really going to go anywhere between these two moving forward. They did a, a great job, and they made it very clear, saying uh, that it's Owens versus uh, Dabakato Aziz moving forward. So um, I think that that's, that's what we'll wind up seeing on Friday night, and who knows what the future has in store for Sammy. Yeah, and it's like the old saying where you hit your friends harder, you hit your brothers or siblings harder, and they definitely exploited that in terms of these guys, as everybody knows, are like best friends. So they just took those liberties and just – and I thought it really helped add to the match. And it's just insane that this match on two days' notice, if you watch this match in the way that it – played out it played out like a blow-off it like more of a blow-off than any of the hell on the cell matches we saw tonight where uh you know the bailey bianca they're moving forward with that uh but this match with not like they had this long feud i know they feuded at wrestlemania they've been doing it for a while but this match was announced on two days notice and to have the match they did i thought was very impressive uh because again it's like what else can they do and this type of match not not only was it unique for them i think this was the most unique match on the entire show because of the amount of injuries kevin Owens was selling you know you see that usually and i thought they did a good job with that it was, yeah, it, I again, yeah. I mean, so see, I think that they could have given these guys like literally 15 minutes notice and they still could have gone out there and put together like close to a five star match. That's just the kind of chemistry that they built up between the two, their friendship, and then obviously having all these matches over the years. I mean, if you're going to throw one match uh, on the card that's just kind of thrown in there last minute, this is a good one to do it. Yeah, and it's good to see um, Sami Zayn get that win because, like you mentioned earlier, you, you're paying attention at who they're highlighting here tonight because of the big pay-per-views coming up and the going back to crowds. The fact that they gave that win to Sami Zayn makes you wonder if they have some you know, yeah. good singles view plan for him in the future. That's a great point. Maybe we'll see that documentary live. <laughs> <laughs> SummerSlam pre-show. Instead of a pre-show, just give us the documentary, please. Yeah. That'd be awesome. I don't think they're ever showing it to us. And again, I think that's hilarious if they don't. I know. Um, so Charlotte versus Rhea is our next match for the Raw Women's Championship. Uh, so Charlotte uh, starts throwing the belt at Rhea. Basically, Char- I mean, I thought Charlotte was a phenomenal performer in this match because she's yes. just being the biggest heel she could be, tra- talking trash, just patronizing and condescending to Rhea Ripley, who's the de facto babyface. Uh, but if you've seen the character, it hasn't really been a babyface character. So they're working this over and then um, working over Rhea's left knee is uh, the injury that she's working over. We get a superplex at one point. Uh, the finish comes where Charlotte slaps on a figure four to Rhea Ripley. They go to the outside. And Rhea Ripley gets herself disqualified. And after the match, Charlotte suggests, oh, now you're learning. Because throughout the match, she was teaching her lessons of how to be a heel, basically. Basically, that's the story of the match. This is how you be a heel. And so Rhea gets herself disqualified, and Charlotte's like, ah, now you're learning. Uh, What did you guys think about this? We'll start with you, Chuck. I thought that uh, the ending was a little bit confusing. I think that WWE needs to be more consistent on what they consider to be a disqualification. You can see the announce table come into play 99 times out of 100, and it's not a problem, even if there's no gimmicks in the match, right? But tonight, suddenly that's an issue. Was it an issue because she pulled up the tabletop and used that as a weapon as opposed to just slamming her face into the table? I don't know. That's what kind of made me confused, but then I was like, eh. It's WWE. This is what they do. No rhyme, no reason, no consistency. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I agree. I think I said the same thing that you said, Alfred. I was like, Charlotte is on some bullshit tonight because the way she was just <laughs> acting, sorry for the language, but the way she was just <laughs> acting, I was like, this girl is killing it. I personally thought up until the finish, it was probably the best match that we've seen from them one-on-one. Like, And, and I, it took me back to the WrestleMania match where they just keep injuring one, one body part of each other just so they couldn't hit their finisher. I remember that match. Who doesn't remember that match? Because, you know, the finish was wrong and so was this one. I didn't think it should have finished in a DQ. That being said, I really, really enjoy how the two of them are just playing off each other. They're at the end. They're, they're talking crap to each other. I thought that Rhea Ripley could have kept the screaming down a little bit. I never heard her scream so much in a match and it was really taking yeah. me out. I'm like, what are you doing, sis? Like, no, you're supposed to be a badass. You don't scream like that. But yeah, I mean, it was it was a lot of fun. I guess, I don't know, a lot of people were thinking Charlotte was winning this one and they didn't do that. So what do we get is a DQ because God forbid that Charlotte Flair loses clean, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. And was, I, I actually did like the wrestling in this, but the what's, yeah. uh, who are we supposed to be rooting for? What is going on in this storyline? Like this is the biggest dichotomy saying. and difference between the talent of wrestling and the story they're telling. Because I think the story is like one of the worst that they have in this whole company based on how this match went. It's two heels feuding with each other, and one is, like, trying to teach the other one. Why are we not making Rhea Ripley, like, the emphatic babyface if Charlotte is going to go the length of this amount of being a heel? Because if this was in front of a live crowd, people would be very confused, and I don't think this would get any type of reaction in front of a live crowd. Dude, we're confused, and they're not, and, and, and this isn't a live crowd, okay? So when they start trotting people back into the seats next month, they're going to be like, I don't know. Do we boo? Do we cheer? I just don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like you have a lot of people in WWE right now, apparently, who say that, hey, Rhea Ripley is, in fact, a baby face already, but she's the most heelish acting no. baby face that I have ever seen, and that includes a lot of the tweeners of the Attitude Era, man. Everything right. about her screams heel. And she was screaming awfully loudly tonight. Tonight, she yeah. by the end of it, she was a heel. She she got herself DQ'd on purpose. Yeah. You know, it was it was I don't know. It, I I didn't think she was she was a baby face here tonight. But like you said, I did see two heels just playing off each other. Like who's the baddest? And that's fine. But then build the feud off of that instead of trying to tell us one's a good guy, one is a bad guy. We're we're past those days. We can have two bad guys feud if you build it the right way and they can do that with the two of them honestly though i didn't like the build up to this i thought the match was much better than the build up but i don't want them near each other for a little bit other like just go to your separate ways for a little while i, I hope this is one of the feuds that do not continue yeah, I mean, well, based on the finish, if they're going to do a DQ, it looks like they, they might be moving forward with I it. Know. I just think it's so crazy that it's like, why not run with Rhea as a babyface? Rhea Ripley, okay? Unproven, not a part-timer, not from the past or anything like that, okay? And NXT on that same network, they built to Rhea Ripley winning that NXT title, and it drew viewers. And this is the NXT that they put on to compete with AEW. That was the goal of that show. And against AEW, it beat AEW for the episode where Rhea Ripley won that title. So there is proven steam behind her with this audience as a babyface if they just do it correctly. And the fact that they're not, and they're just doing such a bad job with Rhea, I think, is just, it, it's mind-boggling. Are you worried Are you about just... her future? I'm not worried about her future. I, I think she's eventually, it, it does depend on this feud with Charlotte. If Charlotte beats her, absolutely, yes, I'm, it's over. It's going to hinge on whether or not she gets to beat Charlotte because she keeps losing all these big matches to Charlotte. And if she loses again and Charlotte gets that title, I'm very worried about her future. 
Well, I was going to say you use the keywords Rhea Ripley in NXT and they are not booking any NXT call-ups the way they did in NXT and that is exactly the problem. Rhea Ripley was so organic in NXT and she was she looked like a badass, but you could still root for her and for some reason they don't know how to translate that onto the main roster, not just with Rhea Ripley, with a lot of call-ups. But yeah. again, okay, so and and that's a great point, right? So WWE struggled pre-pandemic to do anything organically. It only happened once in a blue moon, and then you you have this uh, you know Thunderdome era during the pandemic, and there is not a damn thing organic that's happening now. So maybe things will improve post-pandemic. Maybe they'll start listening a little bit more so to the audience. But I'm not holding my breath. I'm just not holding my breath for that one. Yeah, that's a tough sell. <laughs> Uh, mm-hmm. We go to our main event of the evening, the real main event, Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. Uh, we get uh, a lot of weapons used throughout this match, get some stairs early by Drew. MVP was very active on the outside in this Hell in a Cell match where he slid in the cane, gave it to Lashley. He also slid in a kendo stick and like trapped him in the corner, which I thought was a cool looking spot. Uh, we get a really cool like overhead shot of the Hell in a Cell at one point. I thought that was uh, made it seem like it was a bigger match. Uh, Lashley at one point when he's, you know, McIntyre is dominating early. Uh, Lashley eventually fires up, just goes on this violent comeback where he crushes Drew's head with the stairs against the cell. Like, very violent. Uh, MVP uh, eventually makes his way into the cell after a ref bump. Uh, Lashley, or MVP is, de- or, I'm sorry, McIntyre is demanding that a referee come in. So they let a referee in, but MVP also gets locked in. So he goes wild on MVP, hits him with a Claymore. Um, then it goes into a hurt lock with Bobby Lashley. They go through a table, and the finish comes where Drew McIntyre is trying to finish off Bobby Lashley, but MVP grabs his leg. Bobby Lashley rolls up Drew McIntyre, and in his last chance to capture the WWE title, Drew McIntyre loses to Bobby Lashley. Uh, what did you think about this match, Isa? I love this match. Um, the ending, a roll-up, I mean, it could have been a little more, you know. <laughs> I'm just saying they could have given him a more dominant win, especially after the action that we saw. If you want to make Drew McIntyre look strong, even in defeat, there's no better way to do it than in a hell in a cell match where you just go through so much punishment. I am not the biggest Drew McIntyre fan. I think everybody out there knows it. That being said, these two guys really do have some great in-ring chemistry and during their feud that thankfully ends now. They gave us some great matches, so I knew tonight that we're going to kill it. I didn't like the candlestick spot that you said was a good-looking spot because I feel like I don't know. Listen, but all he had to do was just lift his arms up and slide down and he would have been out of it, but instead he hung there and I didn't like how it looked. I think the Usos and the New Day did that spot in the past, but they used a bunch of candlesticks to where you couldn't escape it. This one looked like he could escape it and he was just being lazy. I did like the stairs onto the the cell spot that Lashley did onto Drew McIntyre. Like I said, Drew McIntyre could have lost, not in a roll-up, and you would have been like, well, of course he lost. Look at all the damage he took. He had the welts on his back. Yeah, Drew McIntyre's back looked crazy. Yes, it did. And and Bobby Lashley, I thought they I thought they really went at it. And I thought that Drew fought this match like it was his last opportunity. I thought it was smooth the way they got MVP in there. Props to them because I hate when people get into the Hell in a Cell without an explanation. I remember one time Jericho just came down with a key and made himself in. I'm like, how? How does that even happen? You know? So at least he was sneaky about it. Overall, fun match. I'm just glad that they let Bobby Lashley win here. 
And before we go to Chuck, uh, to your point about the candlestick, I didn't think it was funny that he was kind of trapped in the candlestick, but it's void, so eventually you get out. And Bobby Lashley just left him there as if he was going to be trapped forever. So Drew McIntyre just breaks out of it, and Bobby's like, what? He foiled the wooden <laughs> candlestick. It's like, yeah, he foiled the candlestick. It's a candlestick. He's not going to stay there. <laughs> I said that, too. I was like, how can he go through all this and he can break that candlestick with his own body and get out yeah. of it? Like, I didn't like it because he looked like he should have gotten out of that. Yeah, man, no, no doubt that was the low point of the match. I think that that was even lower than the anticlimactic roll-up at the end. But all in all, I've really enjoyed this thing. And yeah, I mean, Drew got the crap just beaten out of him with the kendo stick. Those welts were ridiculous. Bobby Lash, they also taken a heck of a beating. You saw the chunk of flesh yeah. that was taken out of his yeah. arm as well. So, uh, I, I, you know, I this is another match tonight that just exceeded expectations. And really, yeah. if there's any takeaway... For me, for this entire show, it's that the wrestling was really a lot better than we typically mm -hmm. see with WWE, mm -hmm. right? It's just the storylines that need some fixing. But uh, I'll be damned if, if this thing wasn't pretty good. Now, here's what I am thinking, though. You've got Money in the Bank coming up next month. What if Drew McIntyre wins Money in the no, Bank no, no, and then no, no, somehow, no, no. as soon as Lashley drops the title, comes in, <laughs> cashes in, he gets it, and then they're right back in another feud. Issa, you seem to disagree with that. Let's hear your thoughts. <laughs> I can't even believe he manifested that onto that. No, 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 no. Let's not, let's not do that. I personally thought that the direction that they're going to go is Drew McIntyre getting drafted to a different brand because there's there's rumors that a draft is coming at the end of August, so he can go and challenge for the Universal title. Should he go to SmackDown, and that way you can continue with Bobby Lashley for a little while or whoever it is. I think the Money in the Bank should go to like I don't know, like a Damian Priest or a Keith Lee if he's able to return. Or somebody to that point but yeah i personally would draft drew mcintyre to a different brand he needs new fields he needs a new character he needs to be refreshed a little bit uh, I man, I would bet you dollars to donuts, though, that they go with a very familiar and comfortable name to the creative team winning money in the bank because that's the first pay-per-view right. back in front of an audience. They're probably not going to gamble with who they give that one to. No, it'll probably be Edge. Uh, for, oh, well, that's oh my god, if it was Edge, that would like defeat the purpose of Money in the Bank. But if it's Edge, you know, he's Money I mean, he the won the Rumble, he won one. the Rumble already. Why not give him the briefcase, too? Oh my god, <laughs> well, we can talk about that in a little bit. But Jack Collins uh, for 499 in front of the show was a fun match, but Bobby looked too weak. Drew dominated most of the time. Bobby's a beast and needs to be showcased like one if, you know, I guess he's saying if Brock Lesnar returns. Uh, what do you guys think about how uh, they look? I thought this was a very good match. Uh, I, I love they did another table spot, uh, by the way, where they like choke slam Drew through the table from the apron. I thought it looked really cool. Um, I forgot and, that table was there, so it yeah. made it so much more brutal. The cameras did a good job at not showing that table again. So when he went out and went through the table, I'm like, I completely forgot that that table was there. We made the spot so much better. I personally thought they both looked pretty badass, and, and they got even beatings on each other. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think Lashley looked weak at all tonight. I gotta I gotta disagree, but thanks for you know the super chat there, man. Um <laughs> I, I, I just I gotta disagree with you, man. I yeah, I, I think that you, you walk away from a, a brutal match like that, like how can you say either guy wound up looking weak other than again, you know, like roll up. So what do you know? I, I, ju I just don't see it. What, what, what do you think, Alfred? Did, did I, you know, I do think the roll-up finish definitely took away from that match. Um, yeah. I don't think that the Nick pick to criticize. To be honest, I was watching that Bianca Bailey match, and they began with a series of roll-ups. And in my mind, I was like, could you imagine if a Hell in a Cell ended in a roll-up? Those are my exact words to myself. And that's how this one ended. 
And so, no, I couldn't imagine it. And uh, But I did like the match. I just – Drew McIntyre, we're a fantasy booking him now. He's probably, yeah, going to get drafted to another brand. Uh, but, like, if his story has been he's gotten too many opportunities and he didn't cash in on it. And if you're going to book a top babyface in a position where he gets a last chance and he loses, I don't want to see him getting more opportunities on Raw or SmackDown in terms of that world title for a while. I think he might turn heel. I mean, they've – one of those kind of he stories that's heel, developing yeah. – of the pandemic is the fall of Drew McIntyre. He's he's not, I can't consider him a top babyface anymore. I know people keep talking about his moment and he's gonna get the moment. Maybe they're building to this, that, and the other. Maybe they're just, they're just not hot on him right now because he's not the guy right now. It's Bobby Lashley who I'm shocked has beaten him in this spot. I did pick Drew McIntyre to win this match, but now that he's lost, I think we're going through a status quo change that Bobby's the guy on Raw right now and Drew, Drew McIntyre is a peg below him right now. Do you find it coincidental that there weren't any title changes tonight and they're going out on the road in just a couple of weeks? That could be part of it. I mean, that could definitely be part of it in that they're waiting for crowds to come back for these. And again, it seems like people have been trying to give Drew McIntyre this moment, which I think just came and went. You just got to keep riding this hot hand with Bobby Lashley. But that is a very valid point in that maybe they're waiting for people to come back to give them these title changes and moments that they seem to be holding out for then you're going to have to rebuild him maybe as a heel or something if you want that moment to feel big because I feel like the Drew McIntyre tiredness, exhaustion is being experienced by more fans than what they think. I, I know that I'm not a big Drew fan, this Drew particularly, when he came out with the hair in his face and the long coat, the, the, what was it, the Scottish psychopath? I thought that yeah. was a good Drew McIntyre. So I feel like a lot, based on what I see online and, and you know just reading articles, I feel like people are experiencing a Drew McIntyre exhaustion that they need to just take a break from him. And then I do think that Drew will be champion again. I do. 1000%, but he, he needs to take a break from the title scene. They need to learn how to build grudge on fuse or, or fuse that don't need to be over a title. They can still be good if done the right way. And Drew McIntyre is your guy. He put on some amazing matches throughout the last you know year and a half. Part of me also wonders if WWE is thinking, well, you know, Drew still hasn't gotten his big moment in front of the fans, right? He was robbed uh, with the title win at last year's WrestleMania. It didn't go over this year. So, I mean, really, he's still due for that live in-person coronation. So maybe they're saving that. I still think it's a possibility that it happens at SummerSlam if Lesnar doesn't come in. So don't rule that one out yet. I'm not giving up hope that Drew uh, is not how, how do they tell the story after they said this is your last chance to win the title? Don't like, overthink it. It's WWE, man. I'm a little paranoid because, listen, uh, just to be honest, like they, Black Champion is something very new in this company, so I'm always like fantasy booking how they're going to screw this guy out of the title and how's the man going to come in and take this title? And a part of me did feel coming out of this pay-per-view, they're going to say because there was outside interference, we have to restart somehow. Uh, but Drew better never get that uh, that title shot against Lashley or at least get it off of Lashley because that would just be – you basically built a pay-per-view saying that this is his last chance. Wasn't it just a month ago that Charlotte Flair was suspended indefinitely yeah. and showed up the next week? Yeah, yeah. Listen, I could absolutely see this happening, and that would be hilarious if it did for the for the wrong reasons, really, but – do we I, see I, yeah i don't i don't think i don't i don't believe in speculations and that's something that they they made us get this way it wasn't it, it's not just us being like whatever they yeah. do so many speculations and then completely forget about it and then why should we take this seriously 
Mm-hmm. I'd be very interested to see where they go with uh, Drew McIntyre from here because uh, he didn't even really get a chance in front of crowds. Not that I'm saying he's due anything or he's owed anything, but his whole title run took place at an empty arena. So he really got the short of the stick during the pandemic. Uh, Colin Christopher Chase for 699 says the last real organic moment WWE had on the main roster was Becky post SummerSlam in 2019, in my opinion. Hard to do that right now with no crowd. Yeah, I mean... Yeah, we really don't. Happening, it's just because he's a heel. But I think what Roman Reigns have done since the last SummerSlam has been very organic, and it feels like this is the guy that he should have been to begin with. It doesn't feel forced; it just feels very natural. So I will say, and that, and that's the thing with Drew. I know a lot of people think that he should get, you know, his moment, and I agree, I do. But at the same time, it's just like the pandemic also showed who needs a crowd there, but it also highlighted that you can go and become big. Not just WWE, a bunch of people in AW did it as well, became big in this, you know, no fans era. So you can't use that as a reason, but, you know, I do think that he is, oh, some kind of big moment in front of a crowd, which I thought they would do at WrestleMania, but they didn't. And now they didn't do it here again. So it just goes to show you that maybe they do have a lot of potential behind Bobby Lashley right now. Chuck? Well, I'm, I'm just I'm just sitting here thinking, well, if, it, if it's not going to be Drew McIntyre going against Bobby Lashley, which I still believe that it will be, but, you know, if we're, we're doing fantasy booking here, if that's not going to be the plan heading into SummerSlam, and if uh, the report that Fightful put out here, the update later tonight, that the talks with Lesnar aren't nearly as far along as one would have thought earlier in the night, then, you know, who who is the likely opponent then? At SummerSlam, who can they put in the ring with him that's going to make people want to care um, to see it? And so now you have what about two months to build up to a match and 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 get people to care. And really, it's only going to be one month because I think that from now uh, until the uh, Money in the Bank pay per view next month, that's where the focus is going to be. So you're going to have four weeks to put together this big grandiose match at SummerSlam. And I'm just not seeing anybody else on the roster right now who's ready to step up and be a viable challenger. Since your fantasy book, yeah, if he wins the briefcase, I guess then doesn't that put the speculation through the window? Mm. Because you're supposed to be able to cash in any moment, any time against anyone. You know what I mean? Against any champion of your choice. So if Drew McIntyre went on to fight money in the bank and win the briefcase, then that kind of like overtakes see? the speculation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Now we're tracking. Yeah, and I like that, Issa. I like where you're going. <laughs> I wouldn't like it if it played out. Like, I'd be very pissed right. that they're just kind of doing the roundabout. But it is a very clever booking. Uh, it's almost how you book a heel. But who you guys do see winning the money in the bank with this pay-per-view now coming up? Who do you see winning it? Issa, do you think uh, Drew McIntyre will be money in the bank champion? I mean, I personally, like I said, would have liked to see somebody that hasn't gotten the opportunity, like a Damian Priest or a Keith Lee. But given the fact that SummerSlam is around the corner and fans are coming right back, um, I, I would like to see possibly a Seth Rollins. I've been wanting a Seth Rollins Roman Reigns field for a little while. I know they said they're prepping Roman for John Cena, but you don't have to cash in the next month, right? He can still carry it around. If you want to give it to somebody that hasn't held it yet, I would like to see AJ Styles. I think he'll AJ Styles with a briefcase will be a lot of fun with his promos. Chuck? Mm. Yeah, that, I, I I would like to see AJ Styles there. Uh, that could be a lot of fun. I don't see it being Keith Lee. I'm not quite sure what's happening with him, but I don't get the impression that he's going to be back anytime soon. Um, I I. I mean, I'm I'm still going with McIntyre, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, you know, I would have said The Miz, but he's out injured because they seem to give him the briefcase a lot anyway. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I'm still going with, with Drew McIntyre. I just can't see anybody else filling that hole right now. I just can't for the life of me. 
I really hope it's the first time. I hope it's somebody like Damian Priest. I hope that's what they're holding him out for. Like or that. even Keith like Lee, that. if he's able to be uh, there before. But I hope they use it to its purpose in terms of getting it to somebody who needs it. But, I mean, that would be good storytelling in, in that they're not, like, going back on the word if Drew McIntyre won it. Uh, but they are finding another avenue for him. But a uh, bit of a troll move, I think, if Drew won it. It'd be very interesting. Uh, but- William Mick. No, go ahead. Uh, honest to God, like on a scale of one to 10, both of you, like how concerned are you that Damian Priest is not going to get the push that we thought that he was going to coming out of WrestleMania? Seven or eight. Seven or eight, 1,000 percent. And it was so funny, Chuck, because I mentioned it on, you know, I was on a stream and I remember mentioning how he lost that match to The Miz right after WrestleMania. The Miz was in his underwear and a lot of people were telling me, you're exaggerating. It's nothing. It was a handicap match. And I'm like, no, no, no. We've been here before. We've seen how they booked some of these NXT call-ups. He had all the momentum going. He should have never gone near The Miz or Morrison after WrestleMania, period. He should have moved on to something else after that. And then after you know, we haven't seen him since the zombies, except for in a one backstage <laughs> segment with Matt Riddle, where he was teaching him how to say words in Spanish. That's it. That's all we've seen. Like, I would love to see him feel with Seamus, to be honest. If I was to put him somewhere, you know, right now, I would put him in Seamus, you know, for Money in the Bank, for example, or after Money in the Bank. But yeah, a seven or an eight. And, and I do think that you can still build him back up. He has an amazing entrance. I think it will work with fans in the arena, but I'm just concerned that you have all these people and you have nothing for them. And I have I have been very vocal about how I feel like in Raw, and I know they have to do it because we have no tag team divisions, but all of your single stars that could be in really good fields are in the tag team division right now. And that's what's holding things up. Matt Riddle, Randy Orton, AJ Styles, all amazing singles wrestlers that you have in the tag team division. Then you have people hanging out. Drew and Bobby Lashley feuding for like three months because you don't have any single stars for them to feud with because you put them all in the tag team division. Yeah. And Chuck, you were talking about a very valid problem, I think, in WWE in that come SummerSlam, you're asking who are they going to put Bobby Lashley with if it's not Drew McIntyre? And that is a valid question, but that's a problem with WWE in that if they do keep giving these prizes to the Drew McIntyres and these limited people of the world, then they're going to continue to have that problem in building up the next challenger for the champion. Because I, for the life of me, don't know who they are going to pair Bobby Lashley with next. Nobody really seems ready at that level on Raw. Right. And it's a big show. I mean, this is a stadium show, right? So it's going to have to be somebody whose name carries some sort of value to it. Drew McIntyre is is that guy, unless they do get the deal closed with Lesnar. But I mean, clearly it's not going to be Reigns because Reigns is doing his own thing. He's got the belt over on SmackDown. That's the only other guy with the mega name right now currently on the roster that would be you know worthy of a SummerSlam main event. So it's like, who could it be? Right. And Rollins is over on uh, it's it's not going to be Rollins. So like, ah, you know, it's just mind blowing. I don't see anybody who can get ready up to that level uh, within the two month span um, to be worthy of a SummerSlam main event. It's just it's just they not there. Built anyone. They haven't. Yeah. Built, and that's part of the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. No one. And, it's and like it's all- sit here. No, that, that to your point, Chuck, when you sit here and think, oh, who could be Mr. Money in the Bank or who could less less fantasy book SummerSlam? And you're just sitting here in a blank stare because there's nobody at any level to where you will go like, oh, yeah, I really want to see that. Well, it's think of Money in the Bank. Late. 
literally anybody can be money in the bank. There's no like the money in the bank is designed to get you ready. That's why I'm so opposed to anybody with the name value winning it. I would want somebody who's relatively new because they've done such a good job, even with the hiccups, they've done a good enough job with that money in the bank. And then when somebody wins it, they're to be taken seriously, at least for the time they have that money in the bank briefcase. Yep. And the only other names out there are CM Punk and that ain't happening or Uh Daniel Bryan. And I don't see that (laughs) happening either. So, I mean, Drew McIntyre, lock me in for that one, 1,000%. We'll talk in two months. Yeah, well, we'll see about that. I'll get Caleb and Nick for $5. You got two matches of who do you cheer for, Alexa versus Shayna, Flair versus Rhea. It's a very good point, very valid point, in that WWE continues to struggle establishing who the heels are. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they know who the heels are, but we don't know who the baby faces are. I think is a problem, is they're good at booking people to be heels, just not uh, that dichotomy between heel and baby face. Yeah, I think right. you could have ended that that with just WWE continues to struggle. Hard stop. You know, yeah. it, there's there's just so many areas that they they need improvement and clear uh, lines being drawn. Babyface heel, like it, it just needs to happen. It's it's a horrible job. And even when you do think that they have it, they friggin' flip it on you the next week. So, man, I don't know. I'm just confused. I just maybe when they the start wrestling. reading rooms again, maybe when they start going to arenas and seeing who the fans really like. Because right now you're piping in your own chance. You really don't know who yeah. the crowd is really feeling. I cannot wait. I experienced that for double or nothing, just to hear who's really over, who's not over. And I cannot wait for WWE to not be able to. Tell us who we need to be cheering or booing. Yeah, it's be very really, yeah, I can. I like I said, I cannot wait. You saw a super chat from Justin Lopez. Thinks Sammy uh, Zayn would be a good Money in the Bank winner. What do you guys think about Sammy Zayn as a Money in the Bank winner? That I think read it again because he paid for that one. But also, I think that that is a great point because he looked really good in getting the win tonight over Kevin Owens. So I think that that's a, that's a plausible plausible scenario. Well, Justin's also got another one in the pipeline. Uh, he says the MVP and Kofi segments got to be going somewhere. If Brock doesn't come back, you hype up Kofi Mania to the resurrection of Lashley versus Kofi. Now, that's a match that they could build up. And I'm very interested yeah. in this uh, Kofi Kingston storyline with MVP, whether or not they turn him heel. I think they've done a great job with these backstage segments. These are the type of segments that I think in front of a live crowd would play very well in terms of captivating people's attention with a very real life and I think very simple but effective storyline. Yo, we should be ashamed of ourselves. We all three slept on that one uh, yeah. so yeah. far. Uh, yeah, so, all right, fantasy booking time, right? Let me put on my fantasy booker's <laughs> hat. Um, here, here's kind of what I'm thinking, right? If if they don't go the Drew McIntyre route, you do go Kofi versus Lashley, but then you've got Woods turning on Kofi at SummerSlam. I really think one of the two, they're going to turn on each other. I think it's going to be Woods that uh, flips and goes heel here. Yeah, I love I love that idea, and I love I I personally was rooting for Kofi Kingston on that number one contender match against Drew McIntyre. I do I have been wanting to see Kofi Kingston and adding this MVP, throwing the seats at him, and like Chuck said, I have I have wanted that. I want Woods to be the one that turns eventually and goes like, you know what, this guy's making some good points. Kofi's gonna leave me at some point. Let me let me be one step ahead. Um, that being said, I also kind of see the RK bro breakup happening and I think it's gonna be Matt Riddle I just don't know that they're gonna break up that many tag teams too when they're like slowly rebuilding this tag division so we're gonna have to pick either you know the the RK Bros or the New Day I feel like they cannot break everybody up I think that if Randy Orton is doing this to get a rub on 
Matt Riddle, then Matt Riddle needs to be the one who turns, because we're all waiting on Randy to hit that RKO on Matt Riddle. I think it would be more shocking if Riddle is the one that goes ahead here. So I just don't see them breaking up all of these tag teams before SummerSlam, but yeah, I, I love the idea of Kofi against Bobby Lashley. I do. Yeah, yeah. That began, I just kind of, I, I don't want to say I wrote off Kofi, but maybe I did because they did include him in the build-up to this match, and he just got beat by Drew McIntyre after he did, you know, defeat Bobby Lashley. So maybe they're going to hold that in their back pocket, the fact that he does own a win over Lashley and never really got a title shot for it. Maybe they'll go for uh, with that. But I don't know if WWE internally would consider that like a stadium-worthy type of main event, but, I mean, I would be here for it for sure. I mean, I'm I'm on board with it, and I think that they do view uh, Kofi Kingston as is stadium worthy. I mean, shoot, they gave him the win at WrestleMania in, in New York. Yeah, right? I mean, look so, how that turned out. Like, I don't think you beat a guy in what in seven seconds, and then not even give him a rematch if they view him as like a stadium type guy. But hopefully, they do. Hope I, I do, uh, and I think he's great. And I think that if they move forward with it, it would be a good uh, type of event, especially with the story they're telling. Yeah, clearly the fans are behind him. I think that that's a safe move, in all honesty. I absolutely yeah. think that that's a safe move. And honestly, that's a match that I would be excited about. So absolutely. I say book it. Book it right now. It's, it's a match yes. that can get people excited. Once you've got the crowd, once you've told that story, that might be the match that they get into more than any on the show if they tell the right story. Absolutely. So we are coming up on uh, you the show. Do you think they do that for what? SummerSlam or Money in the Bank? Because I was going to say, I want to I wanna see Coffee and Money in the Bank. Even if he doesn't win the briefcase, I just want to see his spots. <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point. I mean, so you're saying whether or not he wins Money in the Bank? No, like, I, I want to see him in the ladder match just for oh. the spot. So save Kofi and, and Bobby Lashley for SummerSlam just so I can see Kofi do some crazy ladder spots at Money in the Bank. <laughs> 100, yeah. yeah. 100%. He doesn't do crazy stuff at the Royal Rumble anymore. He kind of retired that. But I want to see him do crazy stuff with ladders, too. Yeah. So what do you guys have to plug as we go on? Uh, before we leave the show and plug everything, what did you guys think of uh, Hell in a Cell? Give them a, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10. I'll start with you, Chuck. Just from a wrestling standpoint, I'm going to give it an 8. Like, I, I went in with the expectation it was going to be a 5 or 6 out of 10 pay-per-view, but this one got up to an 8 just because of the quality of the matches. Storytelling, as we've been talking about for the past hour, could definitely use some work. But just from a pure enjoyment standpoint, watching the matches, 8 out of 10. Isa? Yeah, I'm going to give it a seven. I thought it was more fun than what I anticipated it to be. No shenanigans, like as far as like beat returns or or no contest on Hell in a Cell. I mean, we did have a roll up, but we're going to have to move on from that. At least he had a finish or like other Hell in a Cell matches, right? So I give it a seven. I had a lot of fun and the talent in the ring. There was a lot of good chemistry between opponents today. Bianca Belair and Bailey, for me, my favorite match of the night. I thought they stole the show, and it was so good to see them open up the show to that level. And, yeah, I have fun watching it. It's just like, did we need it? Like I said earlier, no. But was it fun? Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'll split the difference and say seven and a half because I thought there was a couple of really great matches on the show. And, you know, the short three-hour pay-per-view is back, which I love, and I loved how quickly it went. So this is a good show. Uh, Chuck, where can the people find you? At Chuck Carroll WLC, that's good for the Twitter or the Instagrams. I talk a lot about health, a lot about wrestling. So give a follow. You'll get healthy and, you know, mark out at the same time. It's a good combo. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> NYC Demon Diva on YouTube and Twitter. You guys know where to find me. All right. Follow me on, on Twitter at This Is Nasty and uh, Pro Wrestling Bits on YouTube. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, 
you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.